Welcome to the Small Bowler Podcast. My name is Trevor Reddick, and as always, I'm joined by a man who may not be in the best mood after his Michigan Wolverines lost yesterday, but maybe his Ravens can, uh, you know, get a little redemption for him today. His name is Brandon Siegel. How you doing? Um, not great. I'm optimistic for today. I'm excited um, to hopefully be able to watch the game in our Cleveland market. Um, but, you know, yesterday was a rough day. I don't even want to get too much into it. Um, let's just introduce uh, the contributor on this podcast. Um, you know, it goes by many names, um, but the one I'll call him today is Ben O'Brien. Ben, how you doing? I'm doing fantastic, and the way you answered, like, you responded to Trevor by going, um, not great, that made, that, like, that, like, made my day, that made me so happy to hear you say that, just the way you said it, like, it was just so funny. I love, I love, like, hearing you just be so upset with things, so, like, it made me really happy. <laughs> yeah, no, it wasn't a great day yesterday, I, I have plenty of thoughts on the game, maybe we'll get into it later, hopefully not, but maybe we will. Um, but as always, we have a great episode planned for today. Um, and let's start it right off, go to a little bit of NBA topics. Mike D'Antoni um, will be joining Steve Nash's staff on the Brooklyn Nets, um, which is very interesting to hear. Obviously, we uh, like D'Antoni here. We talked about it when he uh, you know, parted ways, um, and it's definitely an interesting addition to the Nets. So Trevor, of course, our NBA expert, let's start off with you. What do you think about the uh, addition to the Nets staff? Um, I think I like it. You know, Mike D'Antoni was the coach of the Phoenix Suns when Steve Nash was obviously the the point guard there. They called him the seven seconds or less Suns. They had a lot of good teams, but never produced a championship out of it. They came very close, um, you know, losing in the Western Conference Finals at least a few times. I think to the Spurs beat them and the, the Dallas Mavericks also beat them one of those times when they came just short. Um, they were very close. They had some uh, injury problems with some of those teams. Amari Stoudemire got injured, I think, in one of those years. And Steve Nash, um, you know, kind of had to try to lead them at least that one year when Amari went out. And they fell short. But now they are coaching together. And Steve Nash will be the head coach with D'Antoni as the assistant. In addition to, um, I, I don't know exactly how to pronounce it. His last name is uh, Udoka, um, who he is a well-regarded assistant as well. Um, and it's going to be fun to watch this Nets team. I am really, you know, uh, I'm really excited to just watch them play. I have no rooting interest in them at all. Um, you know, but I think it's going to be fun because it's a completely, well, not a completely new team, but like we're getting a lot of new pieces, obviously, uh, two stars in Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are coming to join Spencer Dinwiddie and Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, you know, they got a lot of talent on this team. And now they have Steve Nash, Mike D'Antoni, um, two great basketball minds. It's just going to be interesting to see kind of what, how their offenses run. Um, and how they decide to do that. Are they going to play like a fast-paced offense where they're you know running up and down the court, kind of like how the Suns did in the mid-2000s? Um, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see. Obviously, Kevin Durant, he's very a very versatile wing who can do a lot of different things. He can shoot. He can drive the basket. He's a great defender. Um, you know, he's also a pretty smart basketball player. Kyrie Irving, very crafty. Obviously, we know how good uh, his handles are with the ball, getting to the rim, very shifty. Uh, so we know what both of those players are capable of with their talent. So, uh, it, yeah, like I said before, it's going to be fun to watch this team. Um, I can't wait to see what they put together uh, with the offense and, and with the defense as well. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I, I really love Steve Nash, as you guys know. And I was anticipating on being a Nets fan this year, but I got to like him a little bit. I mean, I love Steve Nash so much, and I think he's going to do a pretty good job. I think this is a classic example of the uh, Phil Martelli 
Jawan Howard situation where you bring in a coach who's very, very experienced as the assistant who maybe didn't quite live up to potential as being a head coach but has had experience being a head coach under, you know, the the uh, old player, uh, you know, younger guy uh, coming in and coaching. And I think it's it's a really good strategy. And I think they're going to do well this year, obviously, with their talent, um, but also because I think Steve Nash will be a good coach, especially with Dan Tony uh, on staff. Ben, any final thoughts before we move on from this topic? So I'm extremely intrigued by this team now. I mean, I was already extremely intrigued because you have two stars like Trevor said and Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, who I'm not a huge fan of either one, but I enjoy watching them play. And then you have Steve Nash, who we all, I mean, all three of us love Steve Nash. We loved watching him play back in the day. Now he's a first-year head coach. He's got this awesome team he's working with. And now he brings in what is going to be the best assistant coach in the NBA. I mean, they're basically essentially going to have two head coaches. So I'm extremely intrigued by this whole team. Um, obviously, I don't want to see him win a championship because that means LeBron wouldn't win a championship. But I'm, I'm extremely excited to watch them be competitive in, in, in the uh, NBA. Hopefully see them be competitive in the playoffs. Um, I'm just excited. I really am. I don't really know what, what, what this is going to mean for the team. I don't know how the chemistry is going to work, how things are going to play out. Uh, but it's going to be awesome TV, and I really I just can't wait to watch it. Yeah, 100%. It's going to be very interesting to see those Nets play, and I'm definitely excited um, to see them get back on the court. Now, when they get back on the court, that leads us perfectly into our next topic. You guys saw what I did there. You guys saw what I did there. I'm very happy smooth. about that. That was real smooth. Very smooth. Um, but the NBA obviously has to restart eventually. We've had a lot of discussion about what that would be. So, of course, going back to our NBA, NBA expert, Trevor Reddick. Uh, Trevor, what um, what are the kind of the plans being proposed? What do the players want? What do the owners want? Uh, give us kind of the rundown here on what we expect to see from the NBA You know, coming back. Yeah, so, Brandon, I, I appreciate you calling me an expert. I'm not sure if I necessarily deserve that title, but uh, nevertheless, I'm going to run with it. Um, you know, in the NBA – they are kind of wanting a shortened 72-game season, it says, um, kind of in one of the articles that I've read about. They want this to start on December 22nd um, so that they can have the NBA Finals before the Summer Olympics in July. Um, however, the NBA PA, they kind of want a later start. They want more of a mid-January start that they've kind of countered with. Um, and they've been in talks with players kind of discussing different options. Obviously, a December 22nd start would mean that they would get a very short, I mean, regardless, it's going to be a shorter than usual break. But, I mean, December 22nd would mean that they would be getting, like, less than, like, three months, not even three months. It would be, like, two to two and a half months of rest, whereas normally they get, like, four and a half to five months uh, in the off season or something like that. So... It's definitely going to be a difference as far as that's concerned. Um, now, obviously, not for the teams that didn't make the playoffs. They've had off for a while. But for some of these teams that obviously made the playoffs, go far in the playoffs, like the Lakers and the Heat, who were playing until early October, um, those teams would only be getting, like I said before, like two and a half months if it were to start in December. January, I think, would at least be more reasonable for those uh, types of teams. Um, for the teams that went far in the playoffs, but it would be difficult, um, it, more difficult if it started in December 22nd. Now, obviously, I think a big part of the rationale or the motivation for the NBA wanting it to start is because, you know, the NBA is already starting to lose money. Obviously, not playing a full NBA schedule last season did hurt the NBA. Uh, the NBA fears that starting the 2021 season until in January could cost the league an additional $500 million to $1 billion in revenue losses. Now, I don't know what the losses would be if they start in December. It doesn't say that, but it, it seems like there is clearly a difference there um, with starting, you know, a month difference. So 
I don't know. I mean, I hope this gets resolved. I hope whatever they whatever they do, they can kind of find a middle ground here and they can start, you know, whether it's around Christmas time or if it's around, you know, mid-January. I hope that we can put together a good start where they can put together some good safety measures as well as, you know, just thinking about the best interest for everyone involved. And hopefully we can get some basketball um, by, by January at the latest, maybe February. But I'm hoping that it works out. Um, and, and, yeah, I think that's about it. Yeah, I think the one thing to be said here is how much money would the NBA be losing if they start in December instead of those later times. I, I think it they're obviously still going to lose money either way just because of the late start. So the question is going to be, you know, are they just saying that number? Oh, we're going to lose five hundred to a billion, five hundred million to a billion dollars. Well, is it only a little bit less in December, in January, and or in December? And if so, you know, is it worth it for those players to get the right amount of time they need to rest? Especially, I mean, you don't want LeBron James hurt, and if LeBron James is hurt. I'm not going to be happy, and I know, of course, Ben's not going to be happy. So we definitely don't want that to happen. So, you know, let's get LeBron the most rest he needs. Um, but, but for real, I, I think it's important to get the players what they need before, you know, they fully restart to have that, you know, I guess kind of complete season. Uh, ben, again, any final thoughts before we kind of wrap up small talk for today? Yeah, so I'll make my point quickly since it's basically just summing up everything you said. But I get where both sides are coming from. I get where, you know, Adam Silver, the commissioner's office, the league office is coming from. I get I get it. They just lost money this past season. They don't want to lose a whole bunch of money this season. They want to start earlier. I get it. But at the same time, you have to protect your assets. And your, the NBA's assets are their players. And like you said, Brandon, if you're going to start in before Christmas, you're starting Christmas, even uh, early January – are you protecting your assets, which are your players? Because ultimately, you'll get more games, so your your quantity will be higher, but the quality of play won't be as high because, like you said, Brandon, mm-hmm. players like LeBron James are probably going to be resting a lot. So it's a tough decision. And again, I'm glad I don't have to make that decision because I don't really know what they're going to do. I don't really know what the right answer is. Okay? Because, again, I see where they're coming from from both sides. So it's a very interesting scenario. Um, I'm intrigued to see what they come up with and what the players have to say about this and what the league offices have to say about this um so i'm very intrigued to see what kind of the negotiation is back and forth and ultimately what decision they come up with 100 percent. okay so i think to wrap up small talk today we're gonna go over to small talk trivia as the segment where we keep a running scoreboard um we ask you other trivia questions you get them right you get a certain amount of points depending on what the questioner wants to offer uh trevor what is the scoreboard right now the scoreboard remains at 36 to 33 you lead because neither of us got one right yet last week Perfect, perfect, okay. I just wanted to make sure I was still in the lead. But let's get to questions today. I think I'll ask mine first. Um, so here's my question. Um, we, there's a lot of great teams in college football, um, but only one can be the winningest. And number one right now, still atop, you know, of course, being a historic, you know, historically amazing university is the University of Michigan, 953 wins. But my question for you today, Trevor, is who is the top non-Power 5 team um, who has the most wins that is not a non-Power 5 team. So Michigan is at number one with 953. And I'll give you an extra point if you can tell me how many wins that team has. Okay, so Michigan is the winningest uh, college football team. They have 953 wins. You were asking me which team has the most wins that's a Power 5 um, conference team. Or that's non-Power, non-power five. 5, right? Non-Power right. 5. Non-Power 5 with the most wins, and I can get a bonus point if I... Say how many wins, okay? So mm-hmm. yeah, and I'll even I'll even give you this. I'll I'll let that be those be ex, uh, mutually exclusive. So if let's say you say oh they have uh, X amount of wins and that X is correct, but you don't get the right team, I'll still give you a point. 
Okay. So. Generous offer today. All right, yeah. Don't you think so, Ben? Very generous? I mean, I think I think the number eh, of wins sorry. is going to be a complete shot in the dark, but I, yeah, I, I guess you right. can call it generous. Um, I think it's very generous. All right. <laughs> so, non-Power 5 with the most wins. Now, if I think about uh, teams that... So, would that be teams that currently... Because, I mean, teams do change. They go from Power 5 not to Power 5. But the, a team that has never been power five i mean i guess i'm like asking for a hint but um uh, they're they're not power five okay so if i think about different teams that are non-power five that have been very good Mm -hmm. uh historically yeah actually wait before you before you keep on thinking one quick correction the article i had was a little bit late michigan is at 963 wins still number one at 963 okay all right, so if I think about teams that are non-Power 5 that have historically been very great, I can think about, like, you know, um, like BYU, Houston, um, Boise State, Hawaii. I'm just thinking of different teams like that that have been good, That at least in my lifetime. Obviously, before my lifetime, there's a lot of uh, years that could have racked up a bunch of wins, and it's going to be harder to think of those years so those are some teams in my mind BYU Houston Boise State Hawaii um what else let's see let's see I know you said that you thought this might not be the toughest question but uh, I think it's actually a little tough for me um what else let me see what other teams could be possible candidates for this answer um I mean like you well UCF is eh, I that doesn't really I don't know if that would make sense. Got to go back um, in your bag. Really think about it. Yeah, yeah, I do. While you're thinking, Ben, do you do you have a potential guess? Um, this is a tough question, and I don't want to necessarily give Trevor an answer, so I don't really want to say what I'm thinking. But my thought process for this is: what teams have been around the longest? It's a good thought process. All right. So and I don't really want to say it too much more because I don't want to give Trevor any options. But m- what I'm thinking in my head is who who were the first college football teams? What conferences? What area of the country were the first ones to really start playing college football? It's a good one. Um, it's a very good one. Okay, so like then there's like Utah. Wait, with like Army and Navy, like are those those would be possible options, right? Yeah. Are they in Power Five? No, they're not. <laughs> those are possible are options. Not? Uh, I will say Ben is definitely on the right track. Out of the top ten, this team has played the most college football games, I think, in history. Uh, okay. So so they definitely have a historic, um, historic, you know, hist- they have a, yeah, <laughs> very historic team. Okay. So, yeah, like, like an Army or a Navy, I mean, they were playing football, like, a long time, for a long time. So, like, just based on that alone, they could be possibilities. Um, I think, like, historically, Army is better, even though recently it's not the case. I think. I could be totally wrong. Um, then, like I said, you got Utah, BYU, Houston, uh, Boise State, Hawaii, but teams like that. I don't know if they would have played for that long. So it's it's harder. Like, in the West Coast, I think it's less likely. I think it's probably, like, more Eastern, like an East Coast or even, like, a Midwest, potentially. 
Um, so I don't know. This one's tough. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna go with my gut here, and I'm going to say that it is. <sighs> yeah, I'm gonna say. Ah, oh, there's even like Air Force. I don't know though. I'm gonna say Army. I don't know, but your time's running I'm gonna out. Say, Let's take an answer. I'm gonna here. say it's Army. I think just somehow, like way before I was born, they had a lot of years to rack up wins so i feel like they probably got it that's what i'm gonna go with and and i guess for the number again it's a shot in the dark you said michigan's 963 so i don't know we'll go with like uh like 774 i don't know okay um ben do you have any guesses what's your guess well, I was going to ask you if Notre Dame counts as a Power Five or not because I wasn't sure, but I didn't want to say the name. I didn't want to say Notre Dame because I didn't want to give Trevor any hints. Um, um, but if so, Notre Dame counts as if they don't count as a Power Five, my guess is Notre Dame. Oh but if they do count as a Power Five, I have a different guess. Notre Dame. See, so Notre Dame does not count as a Power Five. They don't. And I was wondering, as I was looking up this question, I I realized that could have you know kind of thrown a wrench in it. But they actually are not even the top non-Power Five. Team. All right, hold okay, on. I have, I have another guess. Then can I have another guess right, real quick? What's your other guess? What's your other guess? I feel like it'd be an Ivy League school, and I'm pretty sure Princeton was the first school to start playing football, so my guess is Princeton. Oh. Ben, you're 100% on the right track. It is not Princeton, but you are on the right track. It is an Ivy League school. It's, okay. Yale. it's actually Yale. Oh, my. Yale is the oh, correct answer. I had 917 okay. wins. They started in 1872. So, okay. Ben, you were – and number six on the list is Notre Dame. They literally have three less wins. They were at oh, 914. Okay. Well, so if I asked this question a couple weeks later, we honestly might have had a switch of an answer. So you actually had the two things I was I was concerned about is Trevor thinking the Ivy League and thinking it's Notre Dame. Okay. So hey, there you go, there you go. All right, Trevor, what is your question for today? Okay, so that was not a good showing for me, but we we will move forward. Um, all right, so we have the NFL or not the NFL, the NBA draft coming up on November eighteenth. So just a few weeks away. Now, there have been, we don't know, there's no consensus number one pick, but there are definitely some mock drafts and some people who think LaMelo Ball could go number one. Now, LaMelo Ball, obviously, he didn't go to college, um, and he could be the number one pick. So my question with that being said is, who is the last number one draft pick in the NBA that did not go to college in the United States? Um, so I actually think I have given you this question on small talk. Really? I'm pretty sure I know the answer. Yeah, I think I have. I believe you may, you may have. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna shoot. I believe it's Yao Ming. No. It's not Yao Ming. Wait, before you tell me the answer, is it um shoot, uh I should I should have said it's it, your uh, final answer. No no no, I, I remember but asking you, were... you a question just like this one and I thought it was Yao Ming. Was it, is it Beasley? No, no. No, he was the number one. Yao Ming, Yao um, Ming was number one, but he oh, was. Oh, was it, it was, was it Kyrie? Oh, I guess he went to college. Yeah. Oh, you said high school. I know, but he still went to high school in the U.S. No, 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 I thought it was Yao Ming. Who, what's the correct answer? So the correct answer is Andrea Bargnani. Uh, he obviously oh. is not from the U.S., um, and he was drafted number one by the Toronto Raptors in 2006. Yes. Yes. Yes, that is correct. All right, well, not the best showing from either one of us. I don't think I've asked you that question. I think 
I think I asked you a slightly different variation of the question. Yeah, so maybe it was about Yao Ming. Was Yao Ming. It might, yeah, yeah, it might have been. But we keep the score at 36-33, um, and of course we'll have small talk next week as well. But let's move on to randomly ranked. This is a very self-explanatory segment. We take a completely random topic and we rank it. Now today we have a weird one, and I actually came up with it. I never come up with these ideas, um, but I came up with this one today. It's, it's an odd one. I mean, what did you guys say? This is a quite weird topic. I mean, it's different. It's you know we all we all love this topic, so I would say. So today we are going to be ranking types of bread. So you know, there's a lot of different types of bread. We could go as simple as you know white versus wheat, or we can go completely different types of bread. We got you know potato bread. We got dinner rolls, croissants, crescent rolls. I mean, we got a ton of different stuff. So there's a lot to put in this segment. So, um. Today, I'm going to start with you, Trevor. What is your top three favorite types of bread? All right. So this was very tough. I mean, there's a lot of good options. Um, you know, just some like quick honorable mentions. Obviously, like garlic bread's amazing. Um, or like Texas toast, which is like a slightly different form. Well, it's not necessarily garlicky, but it's like eh, at least close, I guess. Um, and, and there's just so many that I can mention, but here is my top three. Number three, I'm going to go with something you just mentioned. That's crescent rolls. Now, I love crescent rolls um, because with Thanksgiving coming up, it's one of the side dishes that I normally have on Thanksgiving, crescent rolls. My family does um, too. Or maybe even like at Christmas, like different holidays. Like it's it's a good like side dish, like as a, as a form of bread that's very good. So crescent rolls are amazing. I love them. Number two, I'm going with banana bread. So uh, at least like a different kind of bread because it's sweeter. It's more like a dessert almost. Um, and banana bread is just so good. Um, it's one of the better desserts if you call it, if you want to call it that, um, in my opinion. So yeah, banana bread, very good as well. But number one, I have to go with something that is just consistently good, something I've had f pretty much all my life and I eat it every day for breakfast, and that is bagels. You know, bagels are just the best um, bread form of bread, in my opinion. There is so many different, uh, you, you know, you can get cinnamon raisin, you can get uh, like cinnamon swirl, you can just get like everything bagel or just a plain bagel, and I'm sure there's many others. Uh, but bagels are the number one type of bread, in my opinion. So, I think some good takes there. Saying banana bread's a great dessert, though. I mean, I don't know if I can go that far. Hopefully, Ben agrees with me on that. You know, saying it's one of the best. That's a rough take. But, you know, I'm going to go next here. Uh, I got two honorable mentions to put out there. Uh, first honorable mention I want to put out is just chocolate bread. I had to put some sort of chocolate thing in there. Um, and if any of you had, like, a chocolate bread, like an actual chocolate bread, so, so good. Um, I'm also going to give pumpernickel bread a shout out if anyone's been to cheesecake factory we even mentioned outback the bread you get before the brown bread that's pumpernickel bread it is so good so good put a little butter on that hot bread oh that's the best to my top three number three i, I gotta call out to my jewish people my fellow jewish people we got challah uh if, if you know you know about challah bread but challah is really so so tasty it's it's very very like kind of fluffy it's made with eggs instead of butter um and also oil um, so very, very, very great bread. Number two, I got to go with the French baguette. I mean, I don't know how many things, either. just the crunch of it's so good. Put a little bit of butter spread on there. It's just such a fabulous bread. And number one, I got to go with ciabatta bread. I love ciabatta. 
It tastes so great, good with sandwiches, good with a little spread of butter. I mean, really, it's a great utility bread as a whole. So number one's got to be ciabatta. Ben, I think you were up now. Yeah, all right. So I'll start with my honorable mention. My honorable mention is cornbread. I like cornbread. Oh, okay. It's good. It's a little different. I didn't put it in my top three, but I do feel like it deserves an honorable mention. My number three is sourdough bread. And sourdough bread is so good because my mom, she used to buy it. You put it in the oven. It's very um, – it's like very thick. You know, it's, it rises. It's very uh, dense. But when you dip it in something, like, you know, sometimes you can dip it like in an oil or something like that. It's really, really mm-hmm. good. My number two is a croissant or like I, I like to call it a croissant. Croissants are delicious. Um, my go-to order at Dunkin' Donuts is a sausage, egg, and cheese on a croissant. So I love um, a good croissant. You can never go wrong. And my number one, Brandon, I'm extremely disappointed that you uh, slandered this this bread, but it's banana bread. Banana bread's oh amazing. My God. It essentially yes, is, like Trevor said, a dessert. It's fantastic. Um, it's useful. It's conservative because you take old bananas that you're going to throw away and you make them into a delicious dessert. Um, so there's a lot of benefits to making banana bread. Um, and it 100% deserves to be number one on my list. Look, I, I like banana bread. Just saying it's you know this amazing dessert. I don't know if I can go that far. But I do like banana bread um, quite a lot. But let's move on to our main topic today. But before we get to our main topic, if you do have any randomly ranked ideas for us, just shoot us a little tweet at the small baller. Link is below in the description of this episode. Um, you know, we love to hear your ideas because it's hard to come up with ideas for this segment. So give us some of yours. But let's move on to our main topics today. And you know what? Today I want to start in college football. Um, we got, you know, some teams moving up, moving down, some teams losing, some teams winning. Uh, we got a lot of teams that some might say are overhyped, but some might say are for real. Um, so I want to go into four of those um, and talk a little bit about them. First up, I want to talk about is Notre Dame. Okay. Um, so I want to go to you, Ben. Let's start off with you. Do you think Notre Dame is a, uh, is you know, do they live up to the hype? Contender or pretender, what do you think? This is a tough one for me. I haven't watched a whole lot of Notre Dame this year, but I watched a little bit of their game yesterday against Georgia Tech, who's terrible. So it wasn't a, a great like you know measurement for how good Notre Dame is. But, I mean, they're ranked number four in the country, and I just I don't feel like they're the fourth best team in the country. I really do not think that they're as good as their ranking shows. So I'm gonna, I think they're a, a pretender. I, I don't necessarily know if they're a top five team in the country. Um, I'm maybe a top ten team. I don't know. Again, I haven't watched a whole lot of them. Um, again, I'll go into my rant about Notre Dame, how they really have no excuse to be bad because they have so many reasons and so many things to offer to recruit. One, for instance, is they have their own deal with NBC Sports where they're on national television every single week. Um, and it's just, I mean, it's a story program. So they really should be good all the time. But I, I just, I don't know. I, I don't, I just do not see them as a top five team, maybe even a top 10 team in the country. Maybe that's just my opinion. I don't know. So I, I think they're a, or a pretender. I really do. So I'd like to say before we continue, when we say contender or pretender, I'm not saying contending for national championship for every single team. Obviously, Notre Dame is probably close to that. Um, but, you know, this is kind of contender pretender basically means for us in this conversation, are they really good or not? Are they living up to the hype that they're at their ranking? Uh, I'm also going to go with pretender, but here's the reason why. I don't like Ian Book. I don't think he's that great uh, of a quarterback. He only has 61% completion percentage, 1,200 yards, 7 touchdowns. Um, he does only have one interception, which is great. Uh, but only seven touchdowns in the amount of games they've played. I, I don't know. Just, I don't like it that much. I don't think they're that great. Um, I, of course, do like Kyron Williams, the running back. Really, really great running back. Uh, should be a pretty high draft pick this upcoming year. Um, but I I don't know. I just think they're a pretender. I don't love Notre Dame, um, and I, I think they'll they'll be losing. I mean, they're not going to win versus Clemson. Even with Trevor Lawrence out, I highly doubt they beat Clemson. Um, you know, and they, they got some difficult games coming up. They got UNC, and I don't think they win a playoff game. So I'm going to go with Pretender. Trevor, what do you think? 
Yeah, so I agree with both of you. I think Notre Dame's a pretender. I think uh, they're actually a team who pretty often is a pretender. They're overhyped and overrated a decent amount uh, most years. And I think number four is a little crazy um, at this moment. I mean, they are 6-0. and So, I mean, I think it's at least warranted maybe that they should be in the top 10 since they're undefeated. But, I mean, just, just looking at, like, how they've performed. I mean, so far this year, they barely edged out a 2-5 and five Louisville team. Um, you know, or Louisville, as I should pronounce it for the locals there. Um, but yeah, I mean, we got Clemson next week on their schedule. And like you said, even without Trevor Lawrence, I still think they would lose. I mean, I'm not sure at this point whether he's playing or not. But if, even if he's not playing, I still think they lose to Clemson. I think that Notre Dame is definitely not one of the best four teams. So yes, they're 100%... Uh, a pretender. Now, with that being said, I think in college football, it's kind of the trend, and, and we're going to keep talking about these other three teams, but I think in college football nowadays, especially, I mean, I think, like, it's really like you have, like, the top three or four teams, and then it's like everyone else. This year, it looks like it's Clemson, Alabama, and Ohio State, and then, like, everyone else is after that, and there there's, like, a big gap between three and four, so... And and even I think there are teams still that are better than Notre Dame. Like Georgia's probably better than Notre Dame, and and there's others that I could talk about that are also probably better than Notre Dame. So I am saying they're a pretender. Hundred percent. So next up we have Cincinnati. Trevor, I'm gonna lead off with you. What do you think about Cincinnati? Are they a contender or a pretender? Yeah. So this one's tough. I mean Cincinnati. They're ranked seventh. Um, they are. You know, they're they're a team who they have had some blowout wins against other ranked teams. I mean, they completely just destroyed SMU a couple weeks ago, forty two to thirteen, when they were ranked sixteenth. Now maybe SMU shouldn't have been ranked sixteenth. Maybe maybe that's part of the issue um, there. Um, they also be an Army team that was ranked um, at twenty second, but also it's like is Army deserving? I don't know. I mean, it's it is tough to say with Cincinnati. I think seven might be a little bit generous. Um, and then as far as like whether they're a contender for the cultural playoff, I think no way. I think so from that standpoint, I got to go with them being a pretender because I think seven is probably a little high, um, even though they did have that big win against SMU. But it's going to be interesting with Cincinnati. They really don't have a lot of tough competition on their schedule left. Um, so they could go undefeated, which could make them um, it, it could give them a shot at getting into the playoff. Um, so we will see. I got you, guys. Ben, I'm throwing it over to you. Cincinnati, you're 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 from there. Pretender, contender. What do you think? And, and your friends listen to this, Ben. So be careful of what you say. Yeah, I, I'm aware that there's probably some Bearcats listening to this. But here's what I'll say: UC's good. They're really good. Cincinnati's a really good team. I watched them play yesterday. They were clearly better than Memphis. I think they're clearly the best team in the American Conference. That being said, based on and we're recording this on Wednesday, I still don't, I don't think the AP has released their their rankings for this coming week. But so based on last week's rankings, they're number seven. They'll probably move up to number six this week because Oklahoma State ahead of them lost. I don't think they're the they're they're not a top six, top seven team in the country. All right, they're not. They're just not. They're a good team, but if we're looking at based on their ranking, their national ranking, I do not think that they're even maybe a top ten team in this country. All right, I want to see them play somebody that's not in the American Conference, which we're not going to see this year, um, until a, maybe a bowl game. But I just I don't know. They're they're a really good team. Luke Fickle has done an amazing job. It's crazy when you start recruiting Ohio, you somehow get better because Ohio has some really good football players. 
Um, but I, I'm gonna, for the sake of this conversation, I'll call them a pretender. All right, they're very good. They're 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 a good team, but I do not think that they're a top ten team in this country. That's all I'll say about about Cincinnati. So, here's the thing. I I don't. Cincinnati's a hard team to predict. They're not a great throwing team at all. Uh, but they have 16 rushing touchdowns. And if they can keep the running ability up and not have it stopped from a good defensive team, I'd love to call them a contender. And you know what, Ben? I think I'm going to do that. I'm calling them a contender. I'm not saying they're winning a national championship, but I could very well see them winning a New Year's Six Bowl, 100%. I'm just worried about if they get into a game where their running attack is not working, does um, their quarterback staff and the receivers have the ability to win a game throwing? Because right now, 16 touchdowns rushing in five games it's just over three touchdowns a game rushing itself um, compared to 11 touchdowns throwing. So my faith in their throwing attack, I don't know, but I'm going to put them as a contender for right now. Next up, we have Florida. And, Ben, I'm going to bounce it out to you. What do you think about Florida? So Florida's an, an interesting one because looking at their schedule, they really haven't played anybody good yet. They've played Texas A&M, who is their one loss. Their one loss is at Texas A&M by three points. And Texas A&M is ranked number eight as of last week's rankings. But I don't even think Texas A&M is that good either. So, again, I think Florida is a, a pretender. I do. I think they're a pretender. I don't think that they are necessarily a top ten team either because they really haven't shown that they are. And looking at their schedule moving forward, I mean, they're in the SEC East, which is just not that good compared to the West. And they really don't play. I mean, they play Georgia next week. And that's really the only good team they play. Um, Kentucky, I guess, isn't bad. And LSU, well, LSU is pretty bad this year compared to last year. So they really don't have that hard of a schedule. I mean, coming up, they have Arkansas, terrible. Vanderbilt, god-awful. Um, and they have Tennessee, which is a total train wreck just in general. So I'm going to say they're a pretender just because I don't really think they're going to, unless they beat Georgia or even maybe lose by uh, three points or something, I just don't think they're going to be able to prove themselves as a good team because they really haven't played anybody that's that impressive. If they were playing like an Alabama or somebody – um, it'd be a little bit better of a measurement, but they're just not going to be able to play Alabama this year. So I, I just, I just don't think they're going to be able to show how good they really are because their schedule is just not that difficult, not that rigorous um, for them this season. Uh, so I'm gonna be pretty quick with this one, Ben, because I agree with almost everything you said. I'm putting them in the pretender category. I just don't see them beating ranked teams. I, I just don't think they're at that level to be beating ranked teams. I think they have a lot of talent on their team, uh, but putting it together to be another thing. Also, Dan Mullen's kind of a nut. Um, you know, the whole Darth Vader costume yesterday was a little bit odd. Um, I'm putting them in pretender. Trevor, wrap us up here with the Florida Gators. Yeah, so so again, this is really tough because the four teams I think we had, and we'll talk about the fourth one, but I don't, I don't think like we picked four. Like, it's hard for me to say that any of them are <laughs> contenders, to be honest with you. Um, so I don't think Florida is really a contender either. I mean, they have Georgia coming up. I think they're going to lose. I think Georgia's still a, you know, one of the better teams that we have. So that's going to be tough. And then, I mean, yeah, I mean, some of these teams are going to have down years. Like LSU's going to have a down year, and they still might be better than Florida. I mean, I don't know. I guess that one could go either way. But, you know, to be ranked 10th, I, I think is probably high. And then, I, I mean, they don't have any chance of getting into the playoff. I mean, they lost to Texas A&M already, and even if they win out, um, which I don't think they're going to do. Even if they win out, it's going to be tough, and I don't think they're going to win out. So I think 10's probably a little high, so I'm going to say that they are also a pretender. 
So let's go to our last team, and I'll start it off. Uh, we have the Indiana Hoosiers. Obviously, their big win against Penn State in overtime. Uh, they got to play Michigan coming up. They got Wisconsin and Ohio State, uh, Michigan State, Maryland, and Purdue. So they have games that are not going to be super easy. Um, I'm going with a pretender with Indiana. They always got to beat one ranked team. They might even come out beating two, but they're not competing for anything. Um, and I don't have a lot of faith in that happening. Uh, ben, let's swing it over to you. Indiana, contender or pretender? So I'll make a case for Indiana. I just I don't want to have all four of my teams that we talk about be pretenders. So I will make a case for Indiana being a contender, at least in the, in this context in the Big Ten. Okay, obviously they've beaten Penn State, who really hasn't been as good, um, hasn't really shown a whole lot this year. And even they maybe they shouldn't have even beaten Penn State because it was a controversial play at the end. And then they beat Rutgers, who is terrible. But honestly, by the transitive property of football, Rutgers is better than Michigan because they beat Michigan State, who beat Michigan. Um, so Rutgers might not be that bad of a team in general. <laughs> But they play Michigan this coming week, um, and I think that'll be a big measurement because while Michigan's not the best team in the Big Ten by any means, they still are a good team. They're, they're a good program. If Indiana can beat or if Indiana can beat Michigan next week, then I think that'll definitely solidify them as being a contender in the Big Ten, especially in I would assume Brandon, you might know. Are they in the Are they Are they in the East? I'm guessing they're in the Big Ten East, yeah. right? I have no clue. They're, okay. they're in the East. Yeah, they're, they're with Ohio State and Michigan, I think, yes. Or they are, or whatever. Yes, they're in the East. Okay, the yeah, East. so I think if they can beat Michigan, then 100% they're a contender. But I still even think, as of the two games that they've played, I'll make a case for, yeah, I think they're a contender. They've put money into that program. They've shown that if you put money into your program, it helps. They just built a brand-new facility, new locker rooms, and it's showing. You're starting to see immediate results of that. Um, so I, I will make the case that they are they are, they are are contenders. They are the real deal, at least for or at least to be competitive in their division of the Big Ten. Trevor, wrap us up here in our college football segment. Contender, pretender, Indiana Hoosiers, what do you think? Yeah, so with Indiana, it's tough. I think they have a really tough schedule. You know, I'm just looking at it like they, they just played Penn State, who they did beat. Now they have, they have Michigan. Then they go at Michigan State, at Ohio State. And two weeks later, they go at Wisconsin. That's some really tough games. Um, and I think the Big Ten, I mean, this year I think that like the SEC – is a little bit down. I think the Big Ten is probably the best conference in college football. Um, I, I don't know what you guys think about that. I think, but I think the Big Ten's probably a little bit better than the SEC this year. Um, so I think, and then Indiana's, yeah, they, they have to go at Ohio State and at Wisconsin. That's going to be pretty tough. So I think they're, I think they're a good team. Like I, I do. I think seventeen is like pretty. I mean, honestly, they might actually be better than seventeen. We'll have to see because it's 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 really tough to tell. But they did look really good against Penn State, and I mean, Rutgers. Well, they're not this great team. I don't think they're, I don't think they're as bad as they have been maybe in the past couple of years. So I think Indiana's good. I mean, but can I call them a contender if I don't think they can beat Ohio State? I, I'm not sure if I can do that. Um, and if they can't beat Ohio State, then they're not going to win the Big Ten and they're not going to make the playoffs. So I don't know if I can call them a contender. I do think, based on their ranking, um, that it's either appropriate or they're better than their ranking. So I, I don't know. Do you think I, could, I should call that a contender? What, what do you guys think? I, I don't think so, personally. I think it's up to you. I, I, don't, I don't think so. I think they're a pretender as well because they can't beat Ohio State. Alrighty, awesome, awesome. Um, I think your Big Ten take is pretty terrible. The Big Ten this year, to me, is over-overrated. Michigan doesn't look nearly as good. Penn State doesn't look nearly as good. Wisconsin might be done playing. Well, it really is just Ohio State alone on an island. However, I do think, as I've said many times, I think Ohio State will win it all. Well, what's what's um, the best so conference, aspect, you think, then? Do you, who, what's the best conference? The SEC. It's not even close. You think it's the SEC? SEC? 
Okay. Yeah. We've seen more know. of the SEC though. The Big Ten we've only seen two weeks of, so it's that a is true. hard to compare. Ben, ben makes a great point about that. But maybe a discussion for a different podcast. Let's go to our last little segment of this podcast where we go over some of our biggest takeaways from the NFL season so far. I actually want to start off today because I want to say a couple things. First of all, I want to apologize to all Buccaneers fans out there. I've talked down on you guys. I've talked down on Tom Brady. Plus 80 in the plus minus. They're number one in the league in that. They're 5-2. and two. Um, obviously they have the two losses which aren't so great. To me, they're a very good contender. Being the Packers, um, you know, it's going to be interesting if they can beat a team like the Seahawks or Cardinals, um, as I think both those teams are good. But they're big contenders. You know, I really think they have a chance to make it to the Super Bowl. Now, I have a lot more faith in their team. And the crazy thing is, is Brady's guys around him haven't been healthy the full year. Like, he hasn't even been at full strength in terms of his squad. So I, I have a lot of faith in the Buccaneers now. Um, you know, I, I think they're real world contenders and could, you know, play in a Super Bowl this year for sure. My last thing I want to say, I want the Browns to lose so badly. I have had enough of every Browns fan out there. I don't want to hear any more from you and how you guys are 5-2. and two. You're minus 21 in the plus minus. You're not a good football team. Baker Mayfield is bad at football. I understand he had his best game in two years. That's amazing. I don't care. He's not good at football. I don't want to hear any more about it. No more. Okay? Hopefully the Raiders kill him so we can just let the Browns fans just relax for a little bit. Okay? Just relax. I just want everyone to chill out. So, Ben, let's go to a couple of your takeaways. Yeah, so my first takeaway is something we've talked about before. It's not a huge shock, but the NFC, NFC East is absolutely terrible. Terrible. Horrible. And I, and I found this website. It's an Eagles fan website, and, and the whole website talks about how the Eagles are still in first place in the NFC West, and the er, in, excuse me, in the NFC East, and the Eagles have a record of 2-4-1. and one. And when they played the Bengals, their one tie, they, they tied with the Bengals. The Bengals looked like the better team by far. I don't even think it was close. I think the Bengals lost that game, and it's all on the Bengals. I thought the Eagles were terrible. And they're still the best team in the NFC East. Um, and they, they compared it to other – if they were in any other division in football, they wouldn't be better than third. Most divisions, they'd be either fourth or fifth in that division. All right, so they're in a terrible division. The biggest threat to them is Washington. Washington football team is their biggest threat because the Cowboys have a third-string quarterback, and the New York Giants are probably – probably the second worst team in the nfl okay so the nfc east is absolutely terrible i wish my team was in the nfc east because somebody has to make the playoffs out of that division and it might be the eagles honestly it might be washington football team who knows okay but i mean the division is absolutely terrible it's just it's crazy to watch and i'm very I, i'm so excited to see which team makes the playoffs because it's going to be a team that has a terrible record and they'll probably get destroyed in the first round of the playoffs but it still just intrigues me i love when you see like really bad divisions and they all it, somebody has to win but it seems like nobody really wants to win I feel like it's kind of good TV. It's entertaining. My second takeaway is somebody that I have been down on. I was a doubter when he got drafted. I wasn't a huge fan of this person. I didn't think he'd be that that great. And honestly, from what I've seen out of him this year specifically, I've been blown away. And that's Kyler Murray. I think Kyler Murray's a really, really good player. And it's crazy because when he was in college at Oklahoma, I really just thought, oh, it's not going to translate to the NFL. He's going to be with people that are bigger, stronger, faster. He's just not going to be able to run all over people. And from what I've seen out of the couple games that he's played this year that I've watched, is he's doing exactly that. He runs all over these defenses. Um, he, I mean, there's a couple plays against the Seahawks last week. He made them look silly. I mean, he's at times he's the fastest dude on the field. He's impossible to get down. Uh, he really, he's a good scramble. He thinks well on his feet. Um, I've been extremely impressed with with Kyler Murray and really the Arizona Cardinals in general with with DeAndre Hopkins now this year. The only thing is they're in probably the toughest division in football um, in the NFC West definitely probably top two so they have a they have a brutal schedule they got they have to play a lot of good teams but i still have been extremely impressed with kyler murray 
um, with Cliff Kingsbury and really with the Arizona Cardinals organization uh, as a whole. Of course, of course. Good takeaways, Benny. Um, let's wrap it up with you, Trevor, today. Uh, finish this off the episode. Yeah, so <laughs> those are some really interesting takes. Um, Brandon, I love the growth and maturity that you just showed. <laughs> it was it was awesome to hear, um, you know, what, what you just said about the Buccaneers, because I, I agree, you know. Obviously, they've been missing. Uh, they've they've had some injury problems. Mike Evans, he's been injured. He's been in and out of the lineup. Chris Godwin uh, missed a game or two. You know, they, so they've had some injuries, and and they've been kind of trying to gain that chemistry. Obviously, we saw in Week One against the Saints, they were you know Tom Brady was very out of sync with his receivers. He didn't play well. Uh, the team didn't play well overall. And you you also can look at like how many penalties the Bucks were committing in the first four games versus how many they've committed in the past two games. They committed um, zero penalties against the Packers. And then last week against the Raiders, um, I believe they committed like only a few. I don't know specifically, um, and I'm not going to look, but I know it was only a few. And they're starting to really get that chemistry. They're starting to look really good with the uh, high amount of talent they had um now also with the browns yes i think five and two is definitely they're definitely not as good as five and two shows um however you know just for the sake of brandon going on these rants browns fans of brandon keep annoying him about the browns even though i also don't think the browns are good um and i'm never gonna believe in them until they show me otherwise keep keep annoying brandon so i'll get into my two takeaways quickly now um, first of all, conversely to Ben saying that the NFC East is very bad, I want to talk about a division that is very good, and that is the NFC West. This division is amazing. Um, frankly, uh, the NFC East should not get a playoff spot. They don't deserve one. Every single team in the NFC West should get in over any team in the NFC East because every single team in the NFC West is better than the Eagles, Cowboys, wh- whoever you want to say the best team is in the NFC East. Every team in the NFC West is better. So please, let's just make a rule change for one season. Let's let the Seahawks, Cardinals, Rams, and 49ers all in the playoffs, assuming, of course, that they get um, that, that they maintain decent records. Let's take that spot away from the NFC East because the Eagles are horrible. We know Washington's bad. The Cowboys are without Dak, and they're, they're just – and the Giants, we know, are atrocious. So – the last one that I wanted to talk about is the Steelers, and it's unfortunate because I don't like the Steelers, but they are 6-0. i got to give credit where it's credit credit is due. They just beat the Titans, and now they're playing the Ravens this week. We, we'll, we will see if they can win this one. I think it's going to be tough. I personally would favor the Ravens, but I still think that the Steelers are officially legit, if you can call it that. I think they are at least a contender in the AFC. Um, it's going to be tough for anyone to beat the Chiefs, um, but I do think the Steelers are at least like one of the best four teams probably, um, or best five teams. Yeah, probably one of the best five teams in the AFC right now. So I was a l- I was wrong about the Steelers, I think. You know, some good takeaways. Uh, not the Browns garbage. I don't want to hear any more from their fans. But I think we will end the episode here for today. Thank you all so much for listening. Now, something that the other guys do not know that I just looked up, we just hit 5,000 downloads today. Um, as we're recording these episodes. Wow. So thank you all so much for 5,000 downloads. That's kind of insane uh, to think about. Um, but, uh, yeah, subscribe to the podcast, of course. Leave a five-star review. 
Follow us on Twitter. It's in the description below at the small ball. That's where you'll know when all of our episodes will go live. Oh, and one other thing we did want to mention, um, one of our other podcasts, Five Seconds of Fame, which all of us uh, are hosts on, we'll be taking a little bit of a break as Big Brother has just ended. Um, but we will, be, we will be getting back to content on that uh, podcast soon, definitely with some more Big Brother stuff and hopefully some different shows uh, moving forward. But like I said, thank you all so much for listening, and we'll see you guys next time. Go Falcons!